0: You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com/slash shows. Hello and welcome to Interview with the Nerd. I am your host, Richard Cardenas, and this is the new year. This is our very first episode of the new year, 2018. It's January. It's the middle of January. Um that's I don't feel like it's happened fast, but it's here where it's going to what 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 day is this episode coming out on the 18th? No, the 17th. Whatever, it's one of those days. Anyway, how's everyone doing? I hope you guys all had a great New Year. Uh we're back. We're back. How did I celebrate my New Year? Um I oh, this is what I did, you guys. And I'm going to talk very briefly about it. I watched Call Me By Your Name on New Year's Eve, uh and then went home and was like I'm not going out after that. But honestly, like, let's just be real serious here. I wasn't going to go out even if I didn't see it. (laughs) So anyway, I saw that movie. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I feel like I took away so much from it just because it reminded me of me being a young gay kid. Uh, I don't know that this kid was necessarily gay. He might have been bisexual, pansexual, whatever. I don't know. But um, this does focus around two men. Uh, having a relationship with each other, and anyway, it just reminded me of my childhood, and and kind of like how I I had his experience, except in in not a good way, I guess. <laughs> so I I left having a lot of feelings, and it, and it took me about two or three weeks to finally stop thinking about the movie. Uh, what are we now? In the third week of January, I guess. So it took me about a week or two to to kind of like. Get over thinking about it every single day, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I recommend it for people who have the the patience to sit through a movie that is kind of boring in the beginning. I mean, that was my feeling, but uh, it 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 worked out and everything. It's a great film. It's shot wonderfully. the 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 setting is in Italy, and it's very beautiful and everything. I enjoyed the film for the most part. Like I said, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I think I loved the idea of the film a lot more than I loved the actual film. Great performances all around. But, um, yeah, I think it's just a personal thing for me, uh, where it's like, even, even, I don't know, even if they didn't, they didn't need to do anything different. I just think that (laughs) the kind of story they told and everything, like there is no way that me, myself personally could have loved it. Um, any more than was possible I guess I don't know whatever I'm just rambling at this point (laughs) let's get into our recap so the interview went really long and there was still so much I wanted to talk about but uh it went really long and um just so you know we have Comadres y Comics uh podcast hosts on this episode uh so this recap is all I'm gonna do I'm not gonna talk news or anything we're just gonna go straight into the recap because like I said it went long and if you downloaded this or you 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 know checked it out before listening you you may have seen how long it is and so i'm just making it longer by rambling <laughs> let's get into our recap all right so i didn't have time to read a lot of stuff surprisingly because it was the holidays and i should have had all the time in the world but anyway um i decided to go back to venomverse now if i don't know if i mentioned it on this episode or sorry this show or not but Uh, I was reading the Edge of Venom verse where they were uh, focusing on all these different characters becoming uh, bonded with the the symbiote and becoming their own version of the Venom uh, character. And then this Captain America guy comes into their universe and like pulls them into another universe. He's like tells them we need your help, and he pulls them into another universe to to fight. I suppose. Um, I had dropped off of it because at some point I was just like, I don't really care. Uh, but then I learned that uh, Venom and X-Men Blue were going to have a crossover that revolved a little bit around, or maybe a lot of bit, around what happened in the Venom Verse storyline. So I was like, well, fuck, got to pick it up. And I'm glad I did. Anyway, so now I'm going to do the recap of Venom Verse number one. So this is written by Colin Bunn, art by Ivan Coelho. Colors by Matt Yackey, and letters by Virtual Calligraphy's Joe Caramagna. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, But anyway, let's get into it. So we open the issue with a chase going on between Jack-o'-lantern and Venom. That's Eddie Brock. So Venom catches Jack-o'-lantern, and Jack starts pleading that he, you know, gives up. You caught me, yada, yada. But Venom is having none of it, and he... Drops Jack from a tall building and Jack lands like face first onto the ground Venom then proceeds to jump landing on Jack's back Somehow this doesn't kill him. I don't know Jack, but my fragile body could not handle that uh, So anyway, these kids witness what happened and start talking to each other and and saying, like, should we call the cops or something? But Venom tells them basically, like, not to worry about it. And then all of a sudden, Venom starts, like, swirling away into the air and eventually appearing into this other universe. Um, so in this sh- sh- world that looks strange, he's greeted by a little boy that looks very pale, and he's wearing these torn clothes and stuff. And the boy's asking for help, and Eddie starts to reach his hand out, and then in comes um, Venom Captain America's shield. Cap, like, straight up throws the shield (laughs) at this little boy's head, killing him, effectively killing him, I suppose. Um, and, And Venom's like, whoa, what the hell is happening? And Cap basically comes on, he's like, he warns Venom that what he saw wasn't really what he saw. And we see this white, frail mummy with a demodog head thing, <laughs> like, lying on the floor, essentially dead. I'm, so, I'm assuming he's dead. But anyway, uh, Venom Cap leads Venom back to his hideout, where they meet a bunch of other Venom heroes. So we meet uh, Venom Doctor Strange, and he explains that the symbiotes from all over the multiverse are being hunted down by these things that they are calling poisons or poison poisons yeah anyway um if one of these creatures touches a symbiote it basically kills the host and takes over the symbiote uh so the poisons are also able to track symbiotes no matter which universe they're in so basically this is becoming a symbiote genocide so peter parker venom happens to show up and they have venom and he have this like back and forth because Of course, no matter which universe they come from, they hate each other. So, Eddie's not having any of it and demands that he be sent back, but their little powwow is broken up by some poisons. Um, A poison hulk comes crashing in, punching who I think is Punisher Venom. Uh, Here we learn that if the symbiote has been consumed by a poison, the poison can no longer consume the symbiote that it touches. So, basically... If it's already got a host, then it can't kill the symbiote straight up just by touching it. So all the Venom split up as they try to get away. Spider-Man and Eddie go with each other all the while arguing. We learned that this Doctor Strange was traveling or something and came across a symbiote that was being chased by poisons. So he bonded with that symbiote. And ever since, Venom Strange has been trying to gather a team to fight for the survival of the symbiotes. And I like the way they talk about the bond because they describe it as something that's good. That, you know, the symbiote and the host care about each other. But somehow in every version um, or in every universe, every version that has an Eddie bonding with the symbiote, it doesn't turn out well. That relationship is a little bit more destructive. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Um, Anyway, Spider-Man and Venom, or Venom Spider-Man and Venom, are having a, a bit of a couple's quarrel when poison Doc Ock appears with an unhosted poison, and another battle ensues. So Eddie immediately gets impaled by one of Doc Ock's arms, leaving Spidey to fight for himself. But here comes the little poison waddling up to Eddie. His symbiote stretches out to grab a block of wood and basically like hurls it at the little poison guy. Spider-Man yells for him to escape, but by this point, Eddie is all the way in, and he wants to fight back. He grabs one of Poison Doc Ock's arms and bites it off. Spidey's thrown to the ground, and somehow, like, someone next to him is, like, calling to him. We cut back to Venom having a good old time fighting, and then when we come back to Spider-Man, he's talking to Aunt May. But, oh, guess what? It's not Aunt May. It's the little Poison guy. Um, Eddie turns to Spider-Man bragging about how he knew they could take on the poisons, but then he realizes that Spider-Man is no longer Spider-Man, not Venom Spider-Man anyway. Instead, we see Peter Parker in a white spider outfit with a black spider on his chest. Um, It's, you know, like basically inverted Venom Venom Spider-Man suit. And I like it, but, you know, unfortunately, he's probably a bad guy now. So he says to Eddie... I'm going to do what Spider-Man never had the guts to try. I'm going to kill Venom. And that's where the issue ends. What, what? <laughs> um. Yeah, so I really like this issue. I'm glad I picked it up again. Um, because, you know, if they weren't doing the crossover event, then I probably wouldn't be reading it. Um. So yeah, there are still four more issues of this event that I haven't read. So I have to read those before I'm all the way prepped for this crossover, but that's okay. I'm confident I can get it done. It's only four issues. And hey, they're all just $1.99 each on Comixology. They are not a sponsor, (laughs) but... But, you know, they're like the leading digital comics app out there. So, whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, like I said, I really liked it. Um, I'm a little confused because there is an issue. And I guess this is a spoiler. I don't know. But there's an issue of Venom. I think it's called Venom Inc. or something like that. uh, That has a bunch of Venom people or Spider-Man with Venom. A bunch of spider man spider man whatever. Uh, (laughs) There's a bunch of Spider heroes and venom and then there's the white spider-man suit with the black spider. so like the one that we see at the end of this issue so i'm like wait a minute and they're all like look like they're working together so i'm like is he gonna be a good guy or is he a bad guy i don't know what's happening i guess i'll have to continue to read (laughs) so yeah uh that's the recap um so i i think i recommended picking up The Edge of Venom verse when I read the first issue, which was with um, Laura Kinney turning into Venom or bonding with um, the symbiote. And uh, yeah, so I I fell off of it because I didn't think it was going to be consequential to anything. But then I learned about the crossover, like I said earlier. And yeah, so I picked it up. I'm glad I picked it up. I'm excited to continue reading it. Um, That's the recap. Uh, Quickly, though, I did want to mention one thing. Uh, which is, I got this thing for Christmas. I got a three-month subscription from my uh, boyfriend Adam. He bought me a three-month subscription to Comics Bento or Bento Comics or something like that. It's ba- basically like a loot crate box or a or a collector core box. It's a it's a random box that they send you once a month, and it has like four to five trade paperbacks or or sometimes a hardcover of different comic books. And what's really cool about it is that they send you these comic books that you may not have picked up on your own. I mean, that's their whole thing is that, like, they're trying to, like, uh, introduce people to comics they may not have necessarily picked up. Something that's not just, like, the main big two DC and Marvel, which uh, I like. I opened the box, and they had some interesting-looking things, like, things that I would never have picked up. First of all, they had a Conan the Barbarian uh, comic from Dark Horse in there. They are a trade paperback. They had Van Helsing, which is, I guess, is like a a woman (laughs) Van Helsing um, looking all sexy. It's one of those sexy comic books, those sexy women comic books that, you know, I never picked up because they didn't look interesting. But now I have this trade paperback, which I will read. And um, they, oh, and I also got a a Marvel one, actually. It was a Star Wars story, or sorry, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So I don't know what that is. It looks like it might be a prequel or maybe showing things that happen in between during the movie or whatever. So I'm probably not going to read it (laughs) because, like, I like Star Wars, but I'm not, like, that invested. (laughs) So it'll probably sit there until someone wants it. If you want it, let me know. Maybe I'll send it to you. Uh, maybe I'll send it to you if you rate <laughs> the podcast on iTunes. Um, and then uh, there's another one called Tumor, which is about an investigator who uh, is assigned this this, this um, case to look for a drug dealer's daughter who, uh, I, I don't know, brings up some past events with his uh, dead wife or something. And he also has a tumor in his head, which messes things up. So anyway... Uh, some of them look very interesting to me. Some of them do not, but, uh, I think it's really cool and it's a great Christmas present that I got. So I am excited to dive into some of those, um, and I'll let you know how it goes, but anyway, it's very exciting. I do subscribe to collector core because I love Marvel, of course. And, uh, they send me little cute Funko things, you know, it's a, it's accompanied, um, with Marvel and Funko and they send pop vinyl figures. They send like rock candy. I don't think they do rock candy. But anyway, they, they send figures and keychains and clothing and, and and comic books sometimes, like special edition, not special edition, but uh, variant covers that feature like uh, vinyl pop looking art and stuff. It's really cool. I like these monthly subscription things. I'm all about them. I used to do loop crate. Why? You guys don't care. <laughs> anyway, um, that's it. That's all I wanted to mention. So anyway, this interview is with the ladies from Comic, or sorry, Comadres y Comics, I always get those two reversed. Um, And I was very happy to have them on. It was a fun conversation. We talk a lot about what they're into and, you know, their podcast. And um, there, like I said earlier, there was so much more I wanted to talk to them about that. I even told them we were going to talk about, but we just ran out of time. Even though we talked for like an hour and a half, we ran out of time. Um, So I definitely want to have them back on at some point down the line, um, if not individually. And yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I know I did. And here it is. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm here with the uh, hosts of. Comics, y, no, sorry, Comadres and Comics <laughs> yes. podcast. Yes, I've been wanting them on for the on the show for a while, and they're finally here. But anyway, uh, so let me introduce everyone. We've got uh, Sarah Bazan.
1: Hello, Bozan, guys.
0: Bazan, did I Bazan. just fuck that up?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you were doing really okay, well. Okay, we Bazan.
0: got Sarah Bazan. We have Jennifer Lopez.
2: Yeah, not got, that J Lo. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> Tragically,
3: she's in
0: next week. Um, and then we've got Kristen Paraz.
3: Hello,
1: Hello.
0: Hi hey, welcome, you guys. Thank um, you so
1: much for having you. us. Yeah, yeah,
4: thank
0: you for being here. Um, so, if you guys don't know, these women are—they're the hosts of the Comadresy Comics podcast, where they like to focus on Latino creators and uh, content, uh, but more specifically, women. Right?
3: Yeah, we yeah. like to try to highlight um, also the female creators and characters, mm-hmm. but we try to kind of it, not. I wouldn't say specifically women, but um, we definitely like to also highlight the strong uh, female characters. Uh, such a overplayed trope, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but we need it because yeah. there, I, I think that there aren't enough people talking about yes. it. Um, yeah, it. It's definitely. not as widely known as as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into all that, I want to see what you guys are all consuming right now. What are you guys all enjoying?
1: Well. <clears throat> <clears throat> This is Sarah, and I am loving uh, the Marvel Runaways mm. on yeah. uh, uh, was it Hulu? Yes, amazing. I'm Jen really and I it. were just talking about that on the car ride over. Yeah, <laughs> we were so good. I oh my gosh, I'm just uh, I'm I'm all about streaming, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> so I, I've consumed just about everything. You know, um, Punisher, uh, Daredevil, uh, even uh, Iron Fist. So mm-hmm. right now, right now, um, I guess. Uh, just Marvel's Runaways. I just saw the Netflix uh, The Toys That Shaped Us or The Toys That Made Us. It's a Netflix It's a documentary, documentary right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. That guys is so good. Highly recommend it. So that's what I'm consuming as of right now.
0: Mm. Did you ever read the comics for uh, Runaways?
1: I have not yet.
0: Mm. Okay. But I
1: know that uh, they're following. I'm sorry, guys. Do you guys know what uh, storyline? Brian K. Vaughn's run. Brian K. Yeah. Vaughn's
2: run,
0: yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Who he's, he's also a um, consultant to uh, pre- uh, executive consultants which is kind of nice um i've read the First volume, I haven't, I didn't continue reading. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I my guilty pleasure, CW <laughs> shows all the way, uh-huh. <laughs> and this totally falls into that yeah. genre to me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I I watch it and I find it to be so freaking cheesy and silly, but I love it. <laughs>
4: no, it is. It is it's just like
0: it's just like higher quality cheesy <laughs> <Yeah>. though. <laughs> just,
2: just, just a tad bit.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Actually, you're absolutely right. I also watched The Gifted, and The Gifted is is not nearly as higher quality as a Marvel's Runaway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I watched them both, but they're, they're kind of similar, but completely different. But the yeah. cheese is more, there's more cheese. In yeah, the no, gifted. there's definitely
0: less cheese in um, Gifted. I actually really like it. I haven't finished the first half of the season yet. I think I got like eight episodes in, and then for whatever reason got out, but I'll get there again. Um. <laughs> I have
3: completely forgotten about Gifted. I watched the first two episodes, and it, it really reminded oh, yeah. me of Heroes actually a little bit yeah, yeah little and bit. um and then i forgot all about it so i haven't <laughs> until right now until you just mentioned it
0: yeah it kind of has that same aesthetic um <laughs> but I, what i like about it i don't know it, to me it does i feel like when i watch it i can get more into the world of it uh-huh. um mm-hmm. than maybe like a like a shield or something an agents of shield uh, oh, i don't yeah. know why i i think i've always always been a fan of the x men yes. even before i started reading comic books mm-hmm. i've loved the x men and to see kind of like that world being there every week for me is kind of nice. And, and I, I really expanded
2: upon. Yeah. Yeah, expanded upon. It. And it's
0: like, I don't know where in the timeline we're supposed to be with the show as, you know, relation to the X-Men. I know they're yeah. gone and they haven't really explained it. Maybe they have at this point. I don't know.
1: Um, I'm current on <laughs> 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 uh, I I speak fluent gifted at this oh, okay. point. But yeah. but yeah, they do mention the the X-Men and they're saying that they're gone they don't know what happened to them but they can't stick around and wait for them so they mm. have to do their own thing you know Right. Mm. be their own hero okay. <laughs> yeah. now, it makes perfect sense now since
2: Marvel or Disney owns Fox now <laughs> where did they go they went into another universe <laughs> <laughs> oh does does Disney now
3: own those FX shows? After all the talk about the Fox Disney stuff, I'm not really sure where we stand right now. Well,
0: okay. So, I mean, there still has to be like all this legal stuff that they have right. to do with contracts and all that stuff, or I don't know what they're going to be signing. But then they're also, they have to go to the, um, it's not the FCC. I always call it the FCC, but it's not. It's some other group or whatever that has to like, decide whether or not they can do this because yeah. they don't want, like, a monopoly. And all uh, this stuff. It's, yeah,
2: it's, a, it's one of those anti-monopoly trust places. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't quite recall the name for
1: it. but Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's, like, FCD uh, or something remember, like that.
2: I remember studying about it.
1: Yeah. I got to say, thank you for your uh, last podcast when you discussed the merger. I was, like, really blown away from all the information that I had no knowledge about. So that yeah. was really informative. Thank um, you so much for that. <laughs> you're
0: welcome. Um, no, I didn't really understand the ins and outs of it. Why this was, because to me, I'm like, X-Men is coming to Marvel. And right. like that's what I'm happy about. Like, I don't understand all the rest of it. And there's like, I have a lot of people on Facebook and, you know, social media whatever who are fans of comics and, and the movies and everything and who are like, this is such a bad idea and I'm like what
1: are you
4: talking about? you yeah. Crazy. So yeah. I was
0: like I need to talk to someone who understands what's going on. Um, yeah. And that uh, was yeah. just
1: so informative. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Yeah, thank,
0: thank you. you. Um <laughs> Kristen, what are you what are you all about right now?
3: Right now, in fact, uh Jen and I just drove here from our uh, from our yes. rivals of uh, and Jen doesn't like when I say Ixalan, but yeah. rivals of Ixalan. <laughs> if you're pronouncing it correctly, it's what Ixalan. 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 Yes. Um, I am into <laughs> playing Magic: The Gathering right now. <laughs> Tragically, me as well. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was okay. So. When we first purchased Heidi Ho, uh, three years ago. Wait, that's uh, your comic book four, shop. Yes, 40, 15, 16. Oh, it's four years. No, four it years. was three years in three November. Years.
2: It's gonna be four years. It'll this yeah, November.
3: it'll be four years this November. Um, the comic book shop Heidi Ho Comics. Um was uh, also had a very big Magic the Gathering component Mm -hmm. in the shop. I had never heard of Magic the Gathering and um, quite honestly did not know that there was such a hierarchy of geekdom Mm. (laughs) that that existed. Uh Uh And, uh, And so I was like, kind of like really very like um, not very interested in it at all. I'm like oh that's like that's just a, a whole nother level like those those guys they just uh, you know play Aww. sorry guys if you're listening but literally I was like oh th- those are just guys that uh, live in their mom's basement. <laughs> Some, not all. <laughs> oh my God. And it turns out um, it's a long story, but the, the short story is that um, I'm really all about um, access and equality in the geek worlds and realms. And uh, that was one of my major um, uh, subjects that I kind of wanted to put focus on when we bought Heidi Ho comics Mm -hmm. and I wanted to make sure that women and marginalized uh, uh, people who who belonged in marginalized groups who might have uh, due to stereotypes or for whatever negative experiences they might have had in the past felt uncomfortable in a comic book shop, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that they felt like they were welcome at Heidi mm-hmm. Ho. And I realized that um, I had been spending so much time putting my efforts into making that happen on the comic book side that I had neglected the magic side. And for a lot of some stereotypes that I held about you know the players and the games and stuff. So I mm-hmm. finally, right before the holidays, said, you know what? I'm I'm going to do this. And so I jumped all in and I started learning. And lo and behold, I freaking am like so super <laughs> excited about it. I have my own commander deck. Today I play pre-release. I've drafted a couple times and I like it. Wow. And if yeah. that makes me a stupid, <laughs> if that puts me up one rung on the geek hierarchy, then so be it.
0: <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Um, oh. The funny thing is, is that, Okay, so I've played Magic, and and for a while, my boyfriend and I got like not like super into it, but we would we didn't have anyone else to play with, but we would play against each other. But um, this was probably like a year, two years ago or something where I knew no one who was playing it. Uh And I always like knew it was there because when I was younger, my cousin was like obsessed with it, and he Ah, like would force us to play with him, even though I had no idea what was going on. But, i like um, how
3: I forced Jen
2: <laughs> yeah she dragged me in along with her this is this is how the conversation went she was just like super getting into it and I was there i would believe for the book club well i wasn't even on the clock and she was just like Jen look they have dragon decks and, and then she was just like and then I turned around And I was just like I can be convinced <laughs> <laughs> nice. because it's not known if you haven't listened to our podcast, but I really like dragons, like fantasy creatures. I think they're super cool and mm. they're like, they're like, it's, it's like drag, it's like dinosaurs and then it's dragons mm. and like, I really love dragons. They're yeah, cool.
0: And once I put my interest out there. Mm-hmm. So many people were like, I (laughs) I I I I was like, what? Like, how is this, like, such an underground thing Uh, that no one talks about it? But as soon as you know someone who does, it's like all of my friends were like, Uh yes, I (laughs) played for 15 years. I'm
4: like, what the hell? (laughs)
3: 15 years, wow. Yeah, it
0: it, it was crazy. But, um, yeah, so... I get it. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, I love it. Right now, I'm just learning. Um, I definitely am not very good at it, but I love, especially these two sets. The the uh, Ixalan and Rivals um, are based in Meso um, uh, America with a lot of like the mestiza uh, like lore and like all kinds of cool stuff. There's mm-hmm. there's of Aztec, Aztec mythology. Yeah. There's yeah. um dinosaurs and merfolk and mm. vampires that are and, conquistadors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, it's just so freaking cool and the art is just amazing mm-hmm. and just from uh observing from the outside you don't really get how super like involved this that this game is and how um how really like interesting it can be mm-hmm. so yes that is what i'm <laughs> <laughs> all about right now and in fact i'm trying to get my husband involved to try to learn because also i mean we're owners of the shop we should and although we are um, partners with two other couples, he and I manage the shop on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, when you really look at it, the reality is that it was inexcusable that we didn't know what half of our business was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my, my goal with this is that I want to start a lady planeswalker group at the mm-hmm. shop to make the magic Um, portion of our shop also feel open and inviting to not only women, but the Lady Planeswalkers, the goal of that group is to make it more inviting to um, groups who... uh, don't really fit into the more competitive part mm-hmm. of magic. Mm-hmm. It's more of a relaxed, social mm-hmm. um, casual way, casual game. to play. So that's yeah. that's kind of where I'm going with this. And so I really hope uh, that uh, my skills improve with that because <laughs> I my goal, besides the Lady Plainswalker group, is to just decimate <laughs> all the guys <laughs> at FNM one night. So uh,
0: I gotta I gotta. Ask, I don't know the terminology. I think it, I don't know what it is. I'm not gonna pretend. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what are, what are, what is your deck like colors wise?
3: My deck is a, um, black red mm. and that is called a rakdos deck. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, um, that's, that's me too. Yeah. I like to go in there and fuck some shit yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> so,
3: um, my, my, Commander, my EDH deck, is a vampire deck, and so it's black and red, and that's what... But this new set that just came out has some dinosaurs that are so Ooh, awesome. They're really cool. Yeah, and the merfolk are so super cool, too. Today, I built a deck was that was um, merfolk and uh, dinosaurs, actually. It was really cool.
2: I have some cards in my purse. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there
0: may have to be a game after this. <laughs>
3: So, I certainly have enough for yeah. <laughs> one. I know it's funny because after every draft and every uh, seal that we do, I just accumulate all these cards. I'm like, now I know why all these magic players always carry around these huge backpacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jen today was like, I need a bigger purse. Yeah, I was just like, I need a bigger purse, or
2: I need another purse, and one that is the exact shade of the. Of the color that I use for my, to hold them in and the sleeves. Uh-huh. Jen was
3: so cool when she first was creating her dinosaur deck. She, purple is her thing. And so yeah. she, um, <laughs> she bought some sleeves that were like the perfect shade of purple that she wanted. And she showed up the next day um, when we, we were scheduled to play. And her fingernails were painted to match her <laughs> sleeves.
2: I, ch- I had to, I I love painting my nails, so it was like, it was just an excuse to like like, do it again and buy two new shades of purple that I combined. But it, it, yeah.
4: It, so you it, got
0: like, into it. Yeah. I you got like, really into I got,
2: it. I got really into it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's exciting. It's it's nice that uh, you're doing. I, I, I really enjoy that you said that you're trying to build like a ladies plane walker yes. group thing because... Um, a lot of the people that I actually know were women who played. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's what I was, like, super shocked by that. And, like, it's so crazy how um, you have this, like, this preconception of what a magic player looks like or Mm -hmm. who this person is. Yes. And, like, my my friends are just, like, the coolest people. Not to say that I ever thought they weren't cool (laughs) or
4: anything, but, like, they're just,
0: like, the normalest people Uh who, like, don't, show like a, a huge affection for nerd things. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so I was just like what?
4: Uh-huh. Shocking. <laughs> like, and
2: then, is they, shocking. Yeah. And then <laughs> well, they show that they're like secretly nerds and
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's always so well, shocking.
3: Jan and I refer to women who play magic as unicorns because <laughs> they are so difficult to find. We actually had a um, a position that was opened um, recently where I, hi- I I really advocated to hire a woman. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And uh, so it turns out it was super hard <laughs> to recruit for it. And we ended up hiring the the best candidate that we had apply, um, which was not a mm-hmm. woman. And that was what actually motivated me to myself. I'm like, I'm already here. Jenna is already here. We're two mm-hmm. women who are doing the comic thing. We might as well just. Dude, you know, instead of searching well. for someone to bring in, just ourselves learn about it. So, mm-hmm. um, I I'm super happy to hear that they're out there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they there's are. been sightings. There's been sightings. <laughs> there rumors, rumors have uh, been confirmed. But yes. the thing is, we have girls uh, and women come in to buy cards. And I see them come in and they'll you know go through the book section or whatever, but they don't come there to play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because the um the environment is just they feel that it's so super competitive that And it's intimidating. It's intimidating. Yes. That, and I've had women tell me it the the setup here for F is super intimidating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, it's super competitive.
0: Yeah. When yeah. When I got my first deck, um I went to this shop or whatever and um I had no idea what I was doing and I was like I don't know and, and I go up to the counter and I ask the woman who was working there like I know nothing what can I use to get started and apparently um the, the company sometimes sends them free intro decks yeah, yeah intro, intro decks. packs yeah and so she's like well don't buy one because right, you don't know if you're yeah. gonna <laughs> like it here take these and I was like awesome and there were these kids there who are playing and they're like hey we're just about to start if you want to like jump in and we can teach you how to play and I was like I would love to but one, I have social anxiety and two (laughs) (laughs) and and two, I'm on my lunch break and I'm gonna go back to work. So (laughs) that was really, really nice to see that like experience that they were very open Open to like accepting me. Because every time I got went to a comic book shop and i saw the groups of people playing there yes i was just like oh no this is intense like they're using terminology i know nothing about right. and it's like very intense
3: <laughs> and um you bringing up the social anxiety um thing is actually pretty relevant to um what i've heard from um a lot of people who say that they find that to be true with some magic players is that like a lot of them don't really because i've really been um, working there at the shop for a couple of years, and I interact with them because they come and they ask for cards, but not until I started playing and, like, would sit down in front of them. Like, I was shocked at, like, how more interactive they were with me, Mm -hmm. and because Mm -hmm. I was, like, I feel like It was because I was meeting them on where they were comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I used to always joke, oh, these guys, most of the magic guys (laughs) never even look me in the eye when they come in. (laughs) But when somebody else at the shop was like, well, yeah, because most of these magic guys don't really have, like, this is their thing. Mm -hmm. And that's like where they feel comfortable. And so like you're and I'm kind of I don't know if you, uh, most of you don't know this about me. But I'm kind of like a bo- boisterous personality. Yeah. And I could see how that would be super overwhelming for somebody who isn't used to that or doesn't feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the great things about me being into magic is that I'm starting to um, learn a lot more about the regulars in my shop and like how super cool and nice they are. Mm-hmm. And like, whereas before it, like they really didn't open up to me. And so um just for that, I am glad that I'm doing this. Yay. Yeah.
4: Well,
0: I'm glad you're liking it. Yeah. and that you're having a good time. Uh, Jen, how about you? What are you super into right now?
2: Well, as with Kristen, I am super into magic now. Um, as she said, I, when I decide to get into something, I go full throttle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just yeah, just today, um, uh, while we were doing the pre-release, I dropped uh, quite a bit of money. <laughs> yes, trying it to, can be expensive. Yeah, yeah. trying to uh, finish up the last of my... Uh, the cards necessary for my dragon deck. Um, uh, oh, you said dinosaurs. It's dragons. Yeah, dragons. Um, because um, that's that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the commander sets had just come out for 2017, and they decided to release a dragon one. So I was just like, well, I'm gonna go with dragons. And so. Um, I dropped a pretty penny today. <laughs> yeah.
3: And Jan doesn't just want the good cards. She no. wants the good pretty cards. Which means that like yeah. the price is inflated on those cards. Uh-huh. And
2: so Cause they're foil cards, so like more people want them. And they also have like uh less of a drop rate so like they're rarer to find and I'm just so like huh uh, so be it then
3: <laughs> <laughs> I told Jen we're just gonna in addition to the ladies, Lady Planeswalker group we're just gonna start um, a magic group where you, we just all come and admire our pretty cards <laughs> yeah, I'm down with this I'm perfectly fine <laughs> with this
0: <laughs> just like display them oh. is not for playing yes. it's not for just
4: playing. for looking just for looking that's it <laughs> but there's <Admire> only. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: have an employee uh, at uh, at Heidi Ho who might take the prize already he has me beat or at least in one aspect yeah yeah he has some very pretty cards i had no
3: idea that these things were i mean i saw what we sold and i would look at things i'm like oh my gosh someone's gonna pay that much money for it and lo and behold next time i come in it's gone but we the employee she's referencing has decks that are worth like multiple thousands of dollars yeah and i believe his most expensive one is three grand oh my gosh yeah that's crazy yeah he
4: has invested
2: so let me just tell you
3: guys if you ever come across magic the gathering cards at a uh yard sale (laughs) snatch them up yes snatch them up
2: so um good to
3: know guys
0: i have a question for you jen um -hmm. because i like your show uh i know this about you uh do you did do you feel like magic is your gateway to D and D?
2: well, you see, I was already into D and D. Ah, okay, so magic. you got into it already? Yeah, because and this is funny enough. Listening to another podcast, and I'm pretty sure everybody's heard of it, the Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also Critical Role. Um, uh, oh yes, that's a so, good one. Yeah. Uh, once I once I listened to these podcasts, I was just like, oh my god, this sounds like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and I could not find a group. To do a D&D session with. So I was just like, "Well, f this! I'm gonna take matters into my own hands, and I'm gonna be the DM here. <laughs> Never DM before, but let's do this." So I bought all the handbooks. I dragged my little brother and my little sister and my best friend uh, with me, and we had uh, one of our first sessions, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, cool! Yeah, awesome. I didn't oh. tell anyone, so it was a lot of fun, a lot of the world building and everything. It was, it was, um, and they enjoyed it too, which I was glad because my little sister is all about pop culture, and she's like, and she was like, Really into the nerdy stuff. Um, um, she's like she's 16, she's a teenager, mm-hmm. she's like she wants to be like a famous YouTuber, she wants to get into film school and everything. She's just like, I don't have time for your comics. <laughs> and she really liked our D D session. So I was super, super happy about that.
0: Yeah, well, what's great about DD is that you can kind of like just build your own world, do your own thing. Yeah, and, and like, she... it can be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm.
2: And so like I already have worlds built and everything cuz I besides working at the comic book store and being a college student um uh, I really I always loved writing and I've have written stuff just never So are them. your
3: D&D sessions all full of your uh, fan fiction worlds? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, those are for another thing. Uh, okay, okay. No, this this is original fiction. <laughs> original <laughs> all original stuff. No, no fan fiction. That's that's a whole nother domain. <laughs> nice. But um, um, but yeah, that's another thing you could say that I'm into is D and D. I'm really super getting into D and D, um, and um, I do buy some of the like stories that they have set out, mm-hmm. like the books and stuff. It's fifty bucks a book. I know um, they're expensive. Wow. They're expensive, but they're they're a lot of fun. But also most of some of them I only like buy one and then I build off of it or I do like my own thing. Um, but I already have like another session plan and stuff, um um uh, for with whenever my best friend and my siblings are free. So I'm I'm really liking D and D.
3: And um how do you fit all this nerdiness into your life? She's also um, a hardcore gamer yes okay. Let, let's, let's get into it let's another get into hard, it oh my god this coming from someone who is like okay do i do, do i go and eat dinner or do i go home and have more time in front of the tv I mean, my a Question for the ages. It, it, truly. okay so yeah that's
4: another thing is
2: that i'm super into is i'm a uh, Oh my god! And it just started too. Overwatch and Overwatch League. Girl. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Duh. Duh. No. So because
2: I I I bought Overwatch about a year ago now. Uh, yeah, it's about to be a year, and as, ever since I bought it, it has dominated my life. Nice. And so, I really love Overwatch, and it gets frustrating to play sometimes. But I still keep playing it. Mm-hmm. So it's just I really I really do like it. And I used to be super into video games when I was like. Elementary in middle school, but I dropped off somewhere in between like eighth, ninth and 10th grade because of a lot of like stigma and everything. Yeah, I was just like girls don't game and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and so but then I got back to it. Uh, yeah, about a year or two ago when I was just like, I really want to play this game. I've been seeing a lot of people, a lot of women who were playing it online and they were talking about it and I saw a lot of games of like their play of the games and everything. And so I was just like, okay, um, I'm going to buy it. Well, first of all, I had to buy a console. Um, um, but when my little brother's birthday came along, my mom bought him a console and I was just like, oh, <laughs> might as well take advantage. <laughs> um, um, so I did. <laughs> I did and I I buy him video games. I buy him a lot of video games. But my main thing is Fortnite, Overwatch and Street Fighter.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, okay. I, I like
2: I like the fighting games. I like the I like I, well, I don't like Call of Duty too much. Um I like Overwatch, which is a team-based game. Um, Yeah, um
0: so I have, like I said, social anxiety. Mm -hmm. and um, (laughs) So I'm always afraid to go online and play video games with people, Mm -hmm. like strangers, complete strangers, because I just know I'm not great at video games. Like, Mm -hmm. I love playing video games, and I have fun doing it, but, like, I'm not... The sharpshooter or the person mm. who's gonna like kill every single person on the map or whatever. Like mm. I go in guns blazing every mm. single time. Doesn't matter if it's not that yeah. kind of game. Like that's how I go, because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. Um I bought I held off buying Overwatch for up until last month, really. Uh, uh because they were having their winter event and I was like, uh, Oh, 50% you, off and everything. I think Did you <laughs> buy it when it
2: was 50% off?
0: Uh I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like $29.99 or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Um I was like, oh. You can change their outfits?
4: Yes! <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not gonna in. I'm not,
2: gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Half the reason that I do play as well is so that I can get loot boxes and I can change their outfits. Yeah, that was the so exciting like, thing for me. Oh my god. When they were having their Halloween event and they released the Symmetra skin, I was just so like, holy shit, I'm gay. <laughs> I was just so like, like this, was, this, this was, I already knew this, but I was just like, it, there's always every single moment where I just like, it's hammered down to me like oh my god there's <sighs> you are you are queer, you are queer. <laughs> and this is the reason why and i was just like um um but uh yeah, that's the and so with the Overwatch League came out, they also released a new set of skins and now it, I well I do support the Korea team, I also support them because they have the best outfits, <laughs> <laughs> black, black and gold. So like uh, I already knew they were savage, but they are now savage <laughs> in fashion. So they have my full support. Um, um,
0: so that's going on right now. I know um, very little about this. Yes, thing. it's going
2: on right now, and it's just the Overwatch League is basically these um. um these um, uh, teams that are supported by Blizzard who made the game and who are basically funding these teams to play Overwatch and the be- the tape basically the team with the best standings that takes like the win, I think wins like a hundred twenty five thousand oh, wow. dollars. also like with sponsors and everything, it comes out to like three point five million <gasps> or something okay wow. yeah um, I'm gonna,
3: know, get just, me a ps4 yeah. right now
2: okay no you see but that's pc gaming oh. that's not console
4: gaming okay
2: yeah.
4: awesome. <laughs> i'm no good
0: at pc gaming no, i'm thank
2: not you. i'm i'm not yeah i'm not, i'm grew up with playstation yeah i i grew up with the consoles mm-hmm. i i wasn't old enough for the pc gaming uh, okay <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll get your username later uh, um. <laughs> for sure, for
2: sure. but uh, um Another thing that I'm into is, uh-huh. of course, I'm the manga person at the store. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, recently, we got in a book that I haven't finished reading. And mostly, I haven't finished reading it because sometimes it hits me really hard. And I'm just like, I got to put this book down. Oh. But it is... Um, um, it's a manga. And it is called My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. Oh, and oh wow. And while I am not a lesbian, I am bisexual. A lot of that was in the book is a lot that I relate to. And so, when I started reading it, I... like we. Within the first, like, 10 pages, I had to put it down because I was going to cry. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and it had started on as an online comic. Um, but uh, and it did so well that it basically got published. Um, it's absolutely amazing. I still haven't finished it because it was... Um, uh, it Basically, is, it's an autobiographical story mm-hmm. about the writer and how she uh, starts off that she's 28. She's never been with a woman. But she knows that she's lesbian, and but above all else, she it's her trying to find out where she fits in. Mm-hmm. She's trying to find a place for herself and find out who she is. But also the fact that she's never had a relationship, she wants to, and it opens up with her basically being in like a love hotel and being with like a lesbian um, um uh which we call it uh, a female companion, mm-hmm. and this is gonna be her first time, and she's super nervous, and um and but before that, as she's as it's opening up, she talks about how um, uh, how when she was in high school, she knew who she was. She knew her identity. But when she was out of high school and in college, she basically kind of lost it and was trying to regain it. And she didn't know what she was doing. She talked about basically discovering her sexuality how she had depression how she was like cutting herself and everything and I was just like oh damn <laughs> I was just like hitting me right where like, yeah, you know, bringing like, me back home <laughs> bring me, me back home it's the origin story <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the the awkward the awkward the awkward years of the baby queer um,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> the awkward hoe right
4: yeah the awkward uh, <laughs> hoe the, the awkward hoe sorry. Yes. that's an inside joke I'm sorry you guys <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs) so uh that it's a book that i highly recommend if you ever wondered about the lgbt experience and just like how it feels like to basically and i know uh i've only been i can count in the number in my hand the number of people i've been with and Mm -hmm. still have fingers left over and it's just and in a lot of media and in a lot of uh, uh in a lot of lgbt media um it's always positive that this is something that you start off when you're in high school or something and usually you're with an older person Mm -hmm. who teaches you or whatever um uh, or takes advantage of you as is sometimes the case um and then you slowly as that you're promiscuous that a lot of lgbt people are promiscuous and that it's inherently kind of like like uh sexual and mature Mm -hmm. and when in fact it's not it can be awkward it can be like yeah you don't know what you're doing and it's just like and you're you question yourself about what is like like am i am am i really i went to the period was just like am i really like do i really like women turns out yes i do (laughs) um uh, i really like them a lot Um, um and um and it's just like it's it's a it's a struggle and it's a different struggle for everybody and so that's why i really I really really like that and I really think it's something that a lot of people should read and that I myself am trying to finish but um, uh, sometimes
3: I have to put down because it's a little bit too real and I'm just like oh, okay just the title alone uh-huh. is just like super powerful and mm-hmm. when it when it came into the shop uh, the other day, uh, she was showing it to me and I was flipping through it. And it looks so, I mean, the art and mm-hmm. everything. And I was reading a couple of the panels and it, it looks like it's just really amazing. So Yeah, yeah.
0: I wrote it down. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> I wasn't sure, ignoring you.
3: <laughs>
2: <That's> <laughs> I okay. was running
0: down the title. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, my lesbian experience with loneliness. And I forget the name of the author right now, but I believe she's done a few other things. But I think some of it might be available Also online, because it was an online webcomic.
0: Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, thank you guys all for sharing all that stuff. Um, I want to talk to you guys about your podcast and why you created it, why it's important that you guys created it. Um, And I'll just tell you a little bit about how I found it. Um, I am friends with Sebastian Katlechik, which is someone who uh, he created the Kinsek comic. Mm -hmm. And I saw that he shared an event you guys were going to do for the release of the paperback. And so I was like, "Oh, that's a podcast. Let me check it out." <laughs> and listening to one episode, I was like, "Oh, oh shit!" Um, <laughs> for people who don't, for people who don't know, like,
1: like I'm, I'm reaction, yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm
0: of Mexican descent, and so uh, I was like, "This is the first time I've heard a podcast talking about these geek things, these nerd things," and it felt like people I grew up with except talking about all this stuff that i didn't grow up with but anyway like it was like oh oh wow like usually i'm used to listening to these like straight white guys talking about you know comic books and that Mm -hmm. chick's hot and blah blah and i was just like okay it was like the only thing that i could listen to but then i found you guys and i was like oh okay it's on let me listen to everything (laughs) they've done um what who whose idea was it to come up with a podcast and and how'd you guys get go from there
1: Um, Well, this is Sarah, and um, I had a podcast before on comic books with two other guys and sometimes three other guys and sometimes four other guys, Um, but they kept dropping on me, Mm
4: -hmm. and I
1: really wanted a comic-related podcast, and then I didn't record anymore, and then I kind of sort of was talking, and I met Kristen's husband, and I mentioned to him that, you know, like a podcast, and I, I actually interviewed him at the Long Beach uh, Comic-Con uh to put on my podcast which I did on one of the episodes but then people started dropping on me as far as guys were concerned so I kind of was like losing faith mm. and then Kristen take it away <laughs> <laughs> so I had known Sarah as a fan of my husband's uh,
3: online web comic which is Collectors um and uh collector's comic is uh, a loosely autobiographical uh comic it's a web comic you can find it at collectorscomic.com and the way i like to describe it is that it's a it's a comic that um is all about eddie who is an avid comic book collector and he loves his wife and his comic book collection but not always necessarily in that order (laughs) (laughs) um but so i knew sarah from that and um i had been talking to eddie about wanting to do something that really focused on women in the comic book industry. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? It's not just women, but I mean, I'm also... Latina and I wanted to kind of make like make it a lot more focused I'm like there's tons of women out there although the people probably also think their unicorn status as well but mm-hmm. there's tons <laughs> of women out there that read comics I'm like but what about the Latina experience in the comic book industry so I approached Sarah one time I'm like I know you do podcasts um and I know you have this experience what do you think about doing a podcast that highlights the Latinx um presence in the comic book industry with uh, also a highlight of women. And she's like, oh my God, yes, that's so... And so it was just, I approached her and she was like, yes. And so I told Eddie, that sounds... Like something that could really take off, and so Jen was an employee, and I'm like, well, she's Latina, she fits the bill. I'm like Jen,
4: Jen, do you
3: want to uh, do you want to um, do this podcast? I have this idea, and she's like, sure. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm down. And so the funny thing was is that the first time we met, we met at um, Strand Brewery in Torrance, yeah, um, which was I think the beginning of that idea yeah. of incorporating beer into. The, the podcast, but um, I'm a, a big craft brew drinker and it turned out Sarah was too. Jen was our protege. We've, we've dra- I was a baby. <laughs> yeah, we dragged yeah. her into it. But um, I have to say, I don't know how Jen and Sarah felt, but after we had that first meeting, I was so freaking excited about where this would go. And then after we had our first podcast, I was like, the way that we actually we all have our individual strengths and our individual knowledge base and the way that we played off each other and just the way the conversation flowed, I was like, Oh my God, this is like amazing. I, it was like so just like it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, just from there, the response and the acceptance that we've gotten from so many people, like from just a, a small little idea that I had of wanting to, um, just focus on a marginalized or, you know, two marginalized groups within the comic book industry. I didn't realize how freaking hungry Latinos were Mm -hmm. for this kind of content. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And actually this is Sarah during uh, the time that, um, that Kristen was telling me about a Latina focus and uh, women uh, as far as uh, in the comic book industry. Um, It was during that time that I was listening to a podcast called the Negro Justice League, Mm -hmm. uh, where they, uh, their, their host, the one that's in charge of the podcast, his name is Cherry. And she, and I spoke into her and she said, you know, I was just tired of listening, like you said, to uh, uh, straight white guys talk about comics and comic uh, related uh, media So she's like, I wanted to hear my voice and I wanted to hear my people talk to me about um, comic related things that I love. So she said, um, I couldn't find anything. So I just did it myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, damn. (laughs) You know, and that's like around the same time that Kristen approached me and I was like, man, this is just like meant to be Mm -hmm. like I I. I actually, to be honest, I thought that we were going to run out of content. Yes, I remember yeah. from the very beginning when we, we had that first like- meeting. She's like, "Are you sure that we're going <laughs> to?" We because we like- we
3: started very um, simply of just listing all the Latino uh, characters that we knew of that existed, mm-hmm. and um, and then you know some of the creators that we knew um, from the big two, uh, and so then we reached
2: in- out to. All- artists and then we're just like yeah and then just
3: artists (laughs) (laughs) just as we started actually doing the show um the more that i would research or started following certain pages on facebook i mean the content just started like showing itself to us and all the the things that we were seeing and able to share and um, and our big culmination of that that's actually taking us into the direction of really focusing on um, in addition, the indie uh, lat- Latino uh, creators is the East Los Angeles Comic Con that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we, um, When I heard about it, I was like, okay, this is us. This is speaking to us. Let's get a table. We didn't know what we were going to do there because we weren't creators. We didn't have anything to give away. We didn't know how we were going to get people to come to our table. But oh my gosh, We were one of the most (laughs) popular tables there because of course we were giving away conchas. (laughs) Because those of you that don't know, conchas are the way that we rate our comics that we review Mm -hmm. on our show. Um, And so uh, three conchas is uh, like really amazing, great. A must read. Yes, Mm -hmm. a must read. And then uh, like out of this world, three conchas
1: and a, cup of champurrado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, for those of you guys who don't know what conchas are, they're a Mexican pastry. So yeah. conchas guys, we grew up with yeah. <laughs> conchas.
3: It means shell in Spanish and so it's they're the little Mexican uh, pandulce pastries that look like little shells. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I I I love that so much. A lot of the a uh, lot of the things that you guys do, I think it's just being you. It's not that I that you guys like try to 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 put out this this persona or whatever. I think it's just you guys when you're talking, but a lot of it, the way you talk, the the things you say and everything just like really hit home for me uh, oh. because it was like that familiarity uh-huh. for me growing up, you know, Latino and everything and and and, and it felt like family, you know. Yeah, oh so that's I, so awesome I, to hear. Yeah. So <laughs> Sweet. I, I, I remember Thank listening you. to the, the yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening to the first episode I listened to and I was just like, "Oh, wow." Like this is crazy. And I talked to Sarah a little bit on my previous episode um, when we were talking about Coco. Mm-hmm. Uh, how growing up, um, I was always teased. I was the most light-skinned one skinned oh, one of yes. my family. Uh, I had bright red hair mm-hmm. as a little kid. It got darker as I grew older. And um, they would always make fun of me. Yeah. And they would say like, oh, güero yeah. and, and um, camarón and stuff like that. <laughs> and they, w- they would call me all these names. And, and it felt to me like I... I was so upset by that that I started rejecting yeah. like my yeah. Mexican side of, of of who I am and mm-hmm. everything. And even my friends would tease me about being too Mexican and like, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, I, I was, you know, surrounded by people who weren't necessarily Mexican or whatever and they would tease me about like, oh, you're so chunty and blah, blah and all yeah. this stuff. Oh. And, then, and so like, that combination, yeah. like coming from my family, coming from my friends, I was like, well, fuck it. Yeah. Like <laughs> if, if they think I'm white and they think I'm too Mexican, then I'm just gonna be white. And <laughs> so like I started, you know, rejecting that culture. Yeah. And so hearing you guys watching Coco and everything, I was just like, oh, I need to reconnect.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it
0: was, it was nice to hear you guys uh my first experience with you guys. It was it was very nice. Um I do wanna know, uh, to get a little bit uh deeper into things, is growing up, uh how, when did you guys get into this nerd culture and like, did you guys, were you already a part of it, you know, as young kids? What was that experience like being Latina women?
1: Um, this is Sarah. I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, uh, my parents uh, weren't really supportive about being artistic or anything like that, but uh, there was a swamp meet on uh, Redondo Beach Boulevard in Gardena and we would always drive by this comic shop called Jeffrey's Comics in Gardena and slash Torrance. And they had these really colorful colors and the super friends out front and, you know, painted on the um, on the window. And I always longed to go into that store. I mean, I longed to go into that store since I was like 10 and But I grew up watching, like, the Super Friends and uh, Scooby-Doo and Batman mm-hmm. and uh, watched the, the Adam West Batman. So, you know, I liked it from that. But I always, like, was drawn to Jeffrey's Comics. And I didn't get to walk in there until I was in high school. And even then, it was like I had to beg to be taken there. Mm. And I... Um, Fortunately, my brother, who's seven years younger, was also into comic books. So we would actually go because they drove him and I would just tag along. Mm. And that goes, um, that is actually a story that, I mean, Christian would can relate to because most of the time um, the parents kind of let the boys read the comic books yeah. but frown upon the girls doing so. Mm. And even though I was seven years older and I addressed I want to read these comic books. They they didn't it's like it's like deaf ears. They they didn't they didn't really um acknowledge that. And then because my brother got into it, uh, we started going to there was a, a Comic Con in Carson in the Carson Convention Center. And so I would tag well, I would say tag along, but I think it was my idea. <laughs> and my brother would um they would take my brother and so, you know, I ended up going. So um eventually like I just was able to get into it I started borrowing comic books from my high school friends um so that's that's how I that's how I have the love for comic books to happen for me I definitely
3: can relate to what Sarah is saying just based on what I see at the comic book shop even now a lot of um fathers mostly but also some mothers and grandmothers will come into the shop with um boys who they are specifically there for them to get comic books with them and they or a dad who's looking for comic books for himself and there's a daughter that is just hanging around in the background is kind of like looking around and doesn't know like where to begin and I always approach them and I ask them oh do you read comics and I'll start a conversation with them and um I generally have a copy of the first three issues of um moon girl and devil dinosaur on hand on purpose to give away for free to young girls that are in the shop that's one of my favorite characters um, in the marvel universe and of course the smartest one there is um but i i really feel like that i'm hoping that i'm planting the seeds for future um female comic book readers with those books
1: yeah and you know what? Honestly, uh, that would have gone a long way for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad, you know, like, uh, you know, the struggle was real for me. So, <laughs> I mean, And then that gave that gave way to like the Shrine Auditorium Con. And then eventually I started working for Diamond Comics, a distributor, and was able to go to uh, San Diego Comic Con back 20 years ago. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. And then we just... Our, you should see our living room. It's full of. My <laughs> <laughs> but, did yeah. you
0: um? Did you ever feel like any uh, shame or anything like that? Because I know when I was younger, um, no, none of my friends were into any of that stuff, and I wanted to be so desperately, but I felt like. I couldn't like I if, if it was something that I was going to be into, I had to hide it.
3: Yeah. And
0: and so I never got into it until a few years ago. I was like in my late 20s and I was like, why aren't I reading comic books? <laughs> yeah. And so I picked up, you know, my very first comic, which was an amazing X-Men um issue or whatever. And do you think that that having your family kind of not support you? Did you I guess how how? How did you find, I guess, the strength or whatever to, like, actually go out there? And did you ever have feel like you had to hide it or anything?
1: Um, at first, yeah. I mean, um, I started reading Sandman. And then eventually, like, when my brother kind of outgrew the X-Men, I would actually take the bus to go to Jeffrey's Comic to pick up my dose of Sandman. And, uh, yeah, it felt really weird. Like, I would, like, have, you know, look down. I would just pick up my book, my books, and then just leave. Um, Nobody really interacted with me. I felt a little bit um, uncomfortable because I felt like I was being judged Mm -hmm. sometimes. And sometimes, like, we actually saw Jim Lee there. Oh, wow. uh, And we had him sign some stuff. And uh, it was really weird because I got these looks because we we had, I think, just come from church or going to church. So I was dressed up for church. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what is she doing here? (laughs) I had pictures, but... They're lost now, but it was kind of funny. Like, I'm all dressed up and, you know, my, like, you know, kind of Catholic school uniform looking thing. Um, And uh, but, yeah, for a while, I was like, what is she doing here? And for the most part, I was afraid to ask questions and stuff like there was no like Internet for me to like go and find out stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fortunately, like when I revealed to my friend that I liked this comic book, he's like, oh, I read that, too. Um, But. Otherwise, it was just a selected few. And um, yeah, it was very difficult, very difficult. Although I got to say, uh, even though I felt uncomfortable at Jeffrey's Comics, just walking in, there was a lot of activities there. They had like they had a art contests for kids and everything. So that made it in a way welcoming. But at the same time, like I think it was just myself feeling insecure walking mm-hmm. in there and not being able secure enough in myself to be or strong enough to ask you know specific questions um about what i liked and what they recommended mm-hmm. so um it took me a while to to get up the nerve and ask and even now sometimes i still feel intimidated
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um jen so you're the youngest of the group
4: yes, <laughs> I am. how can you tell um, and, and
0: with yeah with the with the surge of like comic book Movies and everything. More mm-hmm. people. It's become more mainstream. Even though the people aren't reading comic books or anything, they're going mm-hmm. to see these movies. They love these movies. As a younger person, do you feel like it's different for you?
2: Um. Well, you see, when I was, I would say it was different for me because one, I I was a, i was a Latina, and I, in growing up in a Latina household, um, uh, a well, a Latin. A Latino household and um, when we were in elementary school me and my both me and my brother would watch Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon we'd watch Power Rangers we'd watch Batman animated series we would watch it together and we would watch wrestling and I was like super into these stuff and it was like it was kid stuff and like my parents were just like oh just you know that's so a for way for them to learn English and everything because I was, I was the oldest born here and um, um, and so we watched it so in elementary school it was actually like you know, like it's just kid stuff uh it was actually in middle school where I felt the pushback and um, um because um uh, how it was is that one it was childish Those was like we you know how middle schoolers are, they're mm-hmm. just so pretentious yes. <laughs> yes. so pretentious for twelve year olds like and it's just like, but it's like it's when you start growing up, it's like when you start yeah. hitting the puberty and everything, and so um. Uh, a lot of a lot of the friends that I had, who um um who we were all like in that awkward stage, and I was kind of pushed out. Like this is like oh this is guy stuff. You're a girl. Like go away. Hmm. Um um and so there was that, and um um and so I was just like okay, and I couldn't really talk to a lot of the um, uh, the girl friends that I had because they hadn't been into it um uh, to start with, and so I was just like okay, um it seems like. Not really like a like not really a thing for me or at least it wasn't it was something that I wanted to continue being interested in, but in the end I couldn't because I had no one to talk to mm-hmm. about that stuff or the people that I did could talk to about it didn't want me there, mm-hmm. and so uh, middle school was actually the first time I picked up a comic because there was a teacher. Who had a bunch of comic books in the back of the in the in the back of the classroom and I would be there for lunch because I was a quiet, awkward, shy <laughs> I'm a shy student. And so he would let me um uh, eat lunch in the classroom and I was quiet. So <laughs> <laughs> and so um um I would read the comic books there and I was just like, oh, these are so cool. And um um they were just like random issues that had no like they had no order. It was just it was, they were just there. They were stuff that had been donated to the school, mm-hmm. but the school never got around to distributing. Uh, so I would read them. And then one day I actually ventured. We were in CityWalk um, uh, and there's a, there was a comic book store there. I don't know if it's still there. I, haven't I been think so. Booth. I haven't been to CityWalk in a while. And um, the Teen Titans show had just ended, um, uh, the animated show. And I wanted to know more about Starfire and Raven and Robin and uh, Cyborg and everything. So I walked into the comic book store and immediately felt isolated. Hmm. I, it was quiet. It was cold. It no one, no one talked to me. No one anything. And then so I, and I was like, twelve, thirteen, and um, um and I was just like, okay. Uh, This is weird, but I still went in. I picked up a Teen Titan book and I was immediately disappointed because of the way that Starfire Mm. was drawn and written. Mm. And I was just like, because she was supposed to be a teenager and I was just turning to be a teenager. And I was just like, is this how I'm supposed to look like? And she was was over sexualized. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, I was like, one, I was just like, is this how I'm supposed to look like? Is this what? Is this what like what I'm supposed to be, and I'm not? And like, is this what other people wanted me to be? And I was just like, and I was just like, I don't, I don't, I was like, I don't like it. And then uh, I'll, the way in the in the animated show, Starfire always came off as inquisitive, a little bit naive, but it's still inquisitive and and powerful. In the Teen Tater books, she just sounded dumb. Mm. And i w- I set the comic book down, and I walked out of there, and I didn't pick up a comic book or walk into a comic book store for about six years. Wow, okay and then um after after high school, I was going to El Camino College um Jeffrey's comics was there, and I was just like uh, i had I had been um, um basically I was doing school, I was online a lot, and I had been reading some online comics. But there had been, I read an article about Kelly C. DeConnick and how she was writing Captain Marvel. And I wanted to pick up the first graphic novel for it, which hadn't come out yet. My mistake. <laughs> and so I, I really, 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 really wanted to go in. And so finally I was, I braved it and I was just like, all right, I'm going to step into a comic book store. Hopefully it's not awkward like the last time. And hopefully I will be, hopefully they'll have the book that I have. Uh-huh. And I stepped in and I never looked back.
4: Yes, <laughs>
2: and so when I was growing up, it still wasn't the modus. Like, uh, Iron Man didn't come out until 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, I like Blade. I remember, oh my god, I <laughs> remember love Blade. And, and Blade was, uh, I'm looking back on it on the history of everything, Blade is what allowed all these other Marvel movies to come out and see that these comic book heroes could be a success after the fiasco of the 70s and 80s and the (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) straight-to-VHS movies that weren't Batman. Um, uh, It it allowed um, for Marvel to have it, but it is without a doubt that 2008 Iron Man is what set the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And 2008 is about the time period where I dropped off. Mm -hmm. And so... I missed the whole, the that that whole thing. That whole like, oh, the comic books are cool now, or not comic books itself, but the movies at least mm-hmm. were. Um, I didn't see Iron Man. I didn't see Iron Man in two thousand eight. I saw Iron Man two thousand twelve because. That was when the Avengers movie came out, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to go see it. And they were just like, oh, well, Iron Man's out. All these other movies had come out before it. You kind of need to watch these to understand who these people are. And then that was when I watched Iron Man and all of those. And also, my mom wasn't going to take me to go see Iron Man unless my brother wanted to.
0: (laughs) Do you um, think that – I'm sorry to interrupt you – because you've all kind of, like, talked about how – well, maybe not Kristen, specifically, but, but um, Sarah and, and Jennifer just brought up this whole thing about the parents taking their little brothers, yeah. but mm-hmm. not necessarily taking you guys or you girls. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that that was because you were female or do you think it was because you grew up in a Latino household?
1: I think it's both. I think it's
2: both, but also I was the oldest. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I was the oldest, so it was always, you have to take care of yourself. I was going to say,
3: not just oldest, but oldest girl. And that, in a Latino household, that, it just carries with it so many more responsibilities and just assumptions of what your role is in a family. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: most of it, and never included in that is wasting your time on uh, kid stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On kid stuff.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because that was about the time I was just like, even even now when I'm with my with I'm with my little brother who's the youngest of us all, and I'm like uh, I'm playing video games with him, or we go uh, we're going out to go see a movie, or watch cartoons or anime with him. She's just like, why are you wasting your time watching all this stuff? They're just monos. They're just mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just basically they're just like they're basically like. I guess dolls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the literal translation is. Yeah, the literal translation is dolls. Well, literal is dolls, but right, the is I'm dolls. guessing
3: she means like just fake characters. Or, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. it's basically mm-hmm.
2: cartoons. Uh, she didn't call them caricaturas; she called them monos. And mm-hmm. uh, and even now, and I'm just like, well, the the excuse that I give now is so he likes it. I'm just you know supporting him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, um,
0: I, I guess that's just um, I, I definitely didn't grow up in a in a traditional Mexican household because. For one, uh, my dad raised me and my sister on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom left and everything. So, so I had that, which is different. Um, and also, mm-hmm. I'm the younger son <laughs> of, oh, of right. my dad and stuff. So it was very different for me when I was growing up. It was more about the video games. Like, I was able to do that and kind of get away with that. Mm-hmm. I always felt the pressure more. And it was my own internal pressure. It wasn't ever that it was expressed that I couldn't like these things. It was mm-hmm. just that I felt... Like if I like these things, my friends are gonna reject me, and mm-hmm. and they're gonna like not understand it because they were all you know into like Sports. emo music and, yeah, and, and stuff like that. Like, it was all about about you know Morrissey and the Cure and, <laughs> and, and like you have to you know dress goth and eyeliner and and, and piercings and all that stuff. And so it, I know it,
2: that very well. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And
0: so it, it was like oh. That's not what that is, yeah. so I can't like that, and I can't ever let them know that I'm interested in that. So, like, it was just like, but video games are okay. So I'll <laughs> Man, just do you that. missed the
2: scene phase. <laughs> that was oh, it would have been perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm wondering if if my experience with my dad and being the younger son would have been different because we didn't. I don't think even my older sister she didn't really have that responsibility mm-hmm. of having to take mm-hmm. care of me and stuff. Um, so I just, like, I wonder if that, like, maybe more comes from the maternal figure yeah. than it does from the father.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's kind of... My, my parents both immigrated from a small town in Mexico called Latenango in Puebla. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, there's dirt roads. There were no, like, city lights. I mean, when you walk down the road, it was pitch black. There's corn fields everywhere, uh, so they came from the small town, right? And uh, so for them, it was to nurture the female, especially if they're the oldest, to know how to make frijoles, to mm-hmm. know how to make eggs, to know how to make rice, to you know start doing the laundry at a certain time, start washing the dishes before I get home. That was my mom would get, call me um, uh, when she knew I was already from home from school. And she'd start dinner,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, and my brother, like he was seven years younger, so basically i had to do that and that was what was important in her mind before nurturing any creative side at all and if you- that if that i was like actually i feel kind of bad for my mom because she would say why can't you be normal like <laughs> like sorry i don't know what that is i was also very goth like i mean there were bouts <laughs> of depression i would wear eyeliner and you know like Oh, man, I, just to think about it now it must have been like a horrible <laughs> um, it was like I, I, don't, I don't
0: I don't mean to like get deep in oprah on you um <laughs> do you did your with you know you guys all have younger brothers um do you feel like your parents were not just easier on them, but maybe yes. more supportive of that. Absolutely. Oh
4: my God. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely.
3: <laughs> hey, can I get an amen? <laughs> amen? I wouldn't necessarily say more supportive because I feel like they supported us equally, well, yeah. but our roles, I mean, my brother is 12 years younger. So that is um uh, a, huge difference and so um, I always like to say that we both grew up only children Mm. because once he was about five I moved away to college and so then he was just at home by himself but I just remember coming back and visiting and he never had chores that he had to do (laughs) on Saturday morning my mom was knocking on my bedroom door at 6 30 in the morning every freaking (laughs) Saturday saying you got a vacuum you got a dust you got to." He never did any of those things. Um, He was never um, shown how to do laundry. He was never shown how to cook. He was never shown to do a a lot of things that I had to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when I was home, I was always interested with... And she used to always joke and say that that's why she waited so long is so she could have a built-in babysitter. Uh, (laughs) um, But I was um, definitely, you know, when I was there, a lot of people used to, when we were together... Um. Say, oh, is this your son? Uh-huh. And, and <laughs> I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I would have been twelve. But um, but that is kind of the role that I took with him. And so, even though my parents were super supportive of both of us in whatever endeavors that we showed interest in, um, the the role of just um caretaker and and caregiver that um was instilled in me as i believe a female um was it was it was a gender role that uh, that they at uh, the box that they fit me into because i was a girl.
0: Do you mm-hmm. think that if if your brother were older than you if the if the ages were reversed it would have been his responsibility to do all that stuff while you had the freedom to not have those chores? No. No. no, no. Okay. I
1: I really don't <laughs> No, and, and it's the little things like he can go over, sleep over with yes. his friends mm-hmm. at, you know, age seven where I am 18 and I can't be out past 10. You know, it was just ridiculous things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it had a lot to do with sustaining my virtue, which I don't even I don't even. Like, if they'd only known. It's, it's, it's like, hey, if only they'd Honestly, I do not know what the big deal is. And hopefully, like, if I come across any girls, I mean, I don't want to pervert them or anything. But it's not that big of a deal. How come he gets to sleep around and I have to wait till I'm married? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that growing up thing was, like, maintaining the virtue, um, being a good housewife. And and now that we're in the U.S., I have to actually work a full-time job too. What? <laughs> Excuse
2: me. What? One of one
1: or two of these things has got to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah. What I what I like about what's happening right now the the climate of the U.S.
4: and the world
0: uh, with you know women coming up and 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 being more empowered and empowering each other. I feel like hopefully that kind of stuff. Even though I feel like it is cultural. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I. I hope that it's at least a little bit influential to change things.
3: Yeah. The funny thing about that is that we're talking about how traditionally um, Latino families, that is how the components of it work with the females having a specific role. but also within the latino family i think we all can attest um us three that our mothers was the one were the ones who and my grandmother for sure who set the rules who said what goes who Mm -hmm. was like you know for lack of a better term the chingona that made things happen And, and and um but that Latino, um, machismo thing was, um, definitely like I I, I've shared it before. Um, I don't know if this was on air or off air, but, um, growing up, I, I mean, my grandmother used to clean houses for a living. And I always say, you know, she used, I think people sometimes would look down on her for that. But now as an older woman, I'm like, she was a freaking entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. She ran her own business. She I used to sit and watch her do her own books and she would go out and she would recruit new um new customers to uh to clean their house and she was making the money and bringing it into the house. But at the same time, I would see um uh her uh she had a long-term boyfriend they never got married and he was 10 years younger so now you guys know where I get it from <laughs> <laughs> Actually my husband's older than me yeah. <laughs> Um she was feisty um but I would be in the kitchen and um her boyfriend she would be sitting in the living room and my boyfriend my boyfriend her boyfriend would be in the kitchen and he would yell to her in the living room to come get him a glass of water. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. And she would do it. And as a young, you know, growing up in the eighties and being there through the nineties and the 2000 and everything and seeing that, it would be so hard for me to not say something, but I never did because I'm like, she's from a different time. It's a different era. This is what she, but oh my, I I used to want to go get that glass of water for him and just (laughs) throw it in his face.
0: Did you, and you understood that as a kid, seeing this, that that shouldn't be the case. Yes,
3: it used to, it used to really grate on my nerves, But, um, but at the same time, seeing that, But it being so like contrary to the strong woman that I knew my grandmother was, and she was also the oldest of 12 in her uh, family. And she was the caretaker for her family and her dad died uh, when she was 12. So she was um, really a caretaker Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just knowing, you know, as I got older, knowing more about my grandmother and her, her life and, you know, how they came here from Mexico and they settled and, and then her having to basically raise her brothers and sisters um, and then having the wherewithal. And she actually, I don't even think she, she, I think she dropped out of school, like in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have an extended education. And I remember, as a child, her instilling in me how important education was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just uh, my grandmother lived to be a hundred. Oh wow! And so just uh, I, she was a, an amazing role model for me, and to uh, and actually not really being cognizant of it until we started talking about our intro into the comic world on Comadresy Comics. She was kind of my introduction to comics we used to sit together it was our thing on Sunday mornings and get the funnies out <laughs> and we would read the comic strips together and oh. so that was kind of from the there original comic from there I would go to the library and I would read Calvin and Hobbes and I would read Garfield I was a huge Garfield fan in the 80s um <laughs> and not really making the connection that back in I because if you would have asked me four years ago I'm like no I never read comics so you know uh once i got into them with walking dead and started reading that's what i would have have said my intro to comics was but no my intro was as a kid when my grandmother used to um to read the comic strips with me i would
0: imagine that's interesting you said that and i never would have considered that as my intro but that was my intro to comics as a little kid you know grabbing that sunday newspaper Mm -hmm. and flipping all the way to the back and finding the Mm -hmm. comics Oh my god! You,
4: um, <laughs> I
0: wish we could talk all night, but unfortunately, we are, we are running out of time. But I I want to quickly ask, uh, how has uh, like what either what have you learned and how or how has doing your podcast ch- kind of changed your perspective or has it at all on the whole you know nerddom of comic books and all that stuff?
1: Um, this is Sarah, and for me, um, it's just been awesome having a podcast with these young ladies here um they introduce a lot of great stories um they are the ones who choose what we uh what we read and then i read it and i'm just like oh thank you thank you, <laughs> thank you for introducing this to me um but because Kristen has been such a force in having us participate in the east l.a comic con and um panels on other conventions and also at the um Latino, Comics, Latino Expo. Comics Expo and their panel as well. I mean, it's just been, I mean, she's been so aggressive about us being not only just subjected to doing the podcast, but also kind of branching out. And in branching out, I've met so many people, like she said, that are hungry for some information about. Latino writers, artists, and you know, uh, in the comic book genre. But I've also met some of these people, and they are just amazing. And I can see myself in them, and it's just so great for me. And like I said at first, I thought we were run out of content, but the content out there is so much that we are actually like, What do we read next? Oh my God, (laughs) there's so much, there's so much. And um, these are such great stories that sometimes are rooted. Like right now we're reading another one. I don't want to give it away, but um, I see myself like it's the it's like a mirror image. And I'm looking at my my youth and the love of comic books and the love of music and all these little like Easter eggs within the comic book. It's just been so wonderful for me. Mm. I I am so inspired by these all these comic book Latino comic creators, artists, um, you name it. It's just been wonderful for me. Just Mm -hmm.
3: piggybacking off of what uh, Sarah said, this is Kristen, I think one of the things that has surprised me the most is how many um, Latinx creators we've come across and that are actually out there already doing the work, Mm -hmm. that are, you know, toiling away at their weekly webcomic or, you know, trying to get their... um, quarterly zine published or whatever it is that they're doing. Like in the beginning, again, echoing what she said, we thought we were going to run out of stuff, you know, after we did um, America and yeah. uh, <laughs> Love and Rockets, we're like, okay, what next? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just never stopped our ever growing list of characters and creators and just um, it's such a, an amazing time right now in the comic book industry with um, all the talks about inclusivity and, um, just, uh, intersectionality and all kinds of, um, marginalized groups getting, uh, books out there. It's just, I am just so super excited to continue to just, uh, discover new creators and new content that, uh, is, uh, Latinx, like almost every day.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm gonna agree, um, uh, with the other two ladies that it's we yeah, we thought we were gonna run out of content. We were just like we were just like, oh my god, there's so few Latino characters in Marvel and DC. What are we gonna do? But it hadn't occurred to us that there was the indie field. Mm-hmm. And um uh, that there was so many more independent um uh, creators. And um I'm usually the one who tries to look up and see um uh, what we're going to be reading next, or what we have slated, what we each other have after we finish the con or something. We've only done like what two or three. Yeah, yeah, three. Because okay, Stanley's comic con. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, and um. And it's been a lot of fun, like meeting new creators, meeting um uh, we the type of people who are creating this of, We've met teachers, we met librarians, we've met professors, we've met uh like people who are doing this like literally on. It, like they they work in another industry, like in TV, or they're like doing like manual labor, and they're like, yeah, I just wanted to do this, and I wanted to like mm-hmm. write it down and like make sure that it's there and put it out myself because it's not seeing the content, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's amazing that the that the community is there. It's just not not that it hasn't had a voice, but it's just like there's not a place that's talking
3: and yeah. And I think in a way it doesn't have a voice because, um, I'm sure indie creators that are listening are very familiar with the, with, uh, and Sarah mentioned Diamond Comics. Earlier, Diamond is the, um, quite frankly, monopoly of comic book distributors here. I'm um, not just in the United States, in the world. And if you cannot get your book into Diamond, then your book does not get distributed to comic book shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then you have to put in the work. You have to call the shops. You have to go to them. You have to set up whether or not you want to do consumption or buy it full off or you got to go out and do the conventions and do the work and put in the labor. And that's a lot if you're a librarian who has a full-time job or you're um, a teacher or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing and this is your passion project. If you can't get your books into Diamond, then that is an issue. Your story is not going to be told on the same platform as other stories are being told. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, not just representation in comic books is uh, important but um access is so super important and that's what i really am hoping that we're offering to our listeners is
1: access to these books that do exist mm-hmm.
2: to these stories that they didn't think there would be but they're mm-hmm. there
1: they are and um just to uh, also one of the things that i've noticed about the latinx community is that they're so welcoming yeah um they want to hear what you're working on and they you know, want to tell their friends about it. I mean, everybody's been so nice. I mean, the love that you feel there is just amazing. And everybody just wants to uplift them, everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all... And it's really weird. It's just like, wow, you guys are super nice. Like, who would have thought?
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to leave the the interview by... No, um, <laughs> no I'm going to leave the interview with uh, two final thoughts um one is that you know you guys highlighting a lot of indie creators um is something that I really appreciate because honestly it's something that I probably wouldn't come across unless I was listening to your podcast and then I've written down some stuff that I want to pick up because of uh you guys talking about it so I really appreciate that but two when I'm looking for content of people talking about Things You know, whether it's a podcast or or a YouTube video or whatever it is, when they're talking about stuff that they're consuming, I specifically look for positives, Mm -hmm. um, podcasts or whatever shows that are positive, because I feel like there's just so much negativity and there's so many people like talking shit about something yeah. that they've read or something. And, and whenever you guys don't like something, I feel like you always try to talk about the things that were good. We about try to be kind. Yeah. You're like, you know, it wasn't my favorite. It had this going for it. Pick it up if you want. Like you, I, I really appreciate how positive you guys are. And especially that you guys have this segment called juntos. y Fuertes. Uh, yes. um, And which is you highlighting someone who may have been marginalized or who's, going through something or something that you guys have noticed that, that you just want to put more focus on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I really enjoy that. And it's something that I try to do on my show, especially at the end of every show, I say, you know, like be kind to one another, be good and, you know, have a great rest of the week or whatever. Like, I always say that because it's something that I really want for the world is just like, Mm -hmm. be kind, be compassionate, be understanding. Like we all share this world and, and this space and, and hating each other and hating everything is not good for anyone right so, so I really like that and and thank you guys for being that way
4: <laughs>
3: um, well, I'm glad that uh, that we do come across that way that's actually really great feedback yeah. yes
0: yes yes and, and, and being critical on something is is not the same as being negative right you know mm-hmm. and so and that's why I say like you guys are usually pretty positive positive, even in your your um, when you're being critical on something it's still pretty positive it's
3: funny when we're critical on something and then uh, we meet the creator in person, I always, I I I, I address them and I have conversation. And afterwards, like, oh my gosh, we said something kind of bad about <laughs> her <laughs> and I always feel weird about it. But no, for sure, like I feel like picking out the positive is so important. Yes,
0: mm. yes, it is, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, where can everyone find your show online and social media, all that
1: uh, stuff? Uh, well, we are on iTunes and Podomatic, uh, Comadresi Comics podcast. Yes, and you can find us on
3: Instagram at Comadres y Comics.
1: And you can find us on Twitter at Comic
2: Comadres.
3: As well as Facebook, which is, I believe, also is it Comic Comadres? Comic Comadres.
2: And you can email us with either compliments, suggestions, books, (laughs) and stuff like that at um, uh, comadresycomics at gmail.com.
1: I also, uh, we also have a Snapchat, so if you guys want to see what... The in the back of uh what what is it behind the, the scenes? Behind the scenes, the back of the scenes <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so behind the scenes footage. Uh follow us on Snapchat.
0: Nice. Well, thank you all so much for being on my show. I loved this interview. So thank much you for
3: inviting oh, us. You. It was so much. fun. Yeah. Yay. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully we um, left a good impression and we'll be invited back. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yay! So that was my interview with the Comadres e Comics hosts. Yee! And E. Uh, Comadres e Comics. Come on, Richard, get your head in the game. It's the end of the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, that was them. I was really happy to have them on. I had such a fun time having them on. And you can catch them on their podcast, Comadres e Comics. I said it a million times already. So, you should have it memorized. I apparently don't. Because I keep fucking up the name. But yeah. So anyway. All their information is going to be online on the website. Interviewanerd.com. So you can go check that out. And also Sarah was on the uh, previous episode. Where we reviewed Coco together. And yeah. I cried like a little biatch. Watching that movie. The entire way through. And when I say the entire way through. I am not lying. It was the entire way through. From the moment that Olaf... Stopped singing till the end of the, of the Coco movie. I was in tears. Anyway, enough about Coco. I've talked about it enough. Um, so that's it for the show. Except there is actually one more thing that I wanted to talk about. My recommendation. All right. So I just saw this movie called Freak Show. It came out last year. Um, it's an IFC film, I believe. And uh, holy crap. The film itself is okay. It's like not bad. It's fine. It's predictable and all that stuff. But the performance that's given in here by this actor named Alex Lothar, he apparently was in um, an episode of Black Mirror and apparently really good. I don't watch Black Mirror. Not really. I've seen like three episodes, you know, from the entire series. But he was in an episode and um, he's in this movie. And holy shit, his performance is amazing like I I I don't know maybe I'm crazy maybe I'm not the people I watched it with thought he was amazing but he is amazing in this film it's about this kid who's who's going to a new high school in the south and he's very eccentric he grew up with a mother who was all about like this vaudeville lifestyle and um kind of like this starlet kind of lifestyle and uh, he he goes to this new school in the south where everyone is very straight like everyone has their place everyone has their like i'm a football player i'm a cheerleader i'm the the debutante like whatever like everyone is set and there's nobody there that is different and he comes in he's very gender nonconforming very eccentric and he just Escapes into this role, and and I've never seen him in anything before. But wow, was the performance amazing! So I definitely recommend that. The movie is called Freak Show. Not sure if I said that. I maybe I did. I don't know. Anyway, the movie is called Freak Show, and um, please watch it. It's a it's an amazing performance. And uh oh, also he's in that show End of the Fucking World that's on Netflix now. So apparently he's really good in that as well. Anyway, watch Freak Show. It's a great movie. And it has Bette Midler in it. Hello. um, And then for no reason at all, <laughs> it has, um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on her name. Why can't I remember her name? I'll remember it later. I'm going to pause it and then come back. You know what? Fuck it. We'll do it live. Ah, uh, All right. So I'm going to Google this movie real quick. And while I do that, I'll just, you know, ramble, ramble on like I do. I like to ramble on. Um, All right, Laverne Cox is in this movie. Why couldn't I remember that name? No one's knocking on the door. That's just the dog's tail hitting a box. Um, And uh, anyway, she's in this movie for no reason at all, but she's in it and cool. Uh, It has also Abigail Breslin in it and uh, uh, Anna-Sophia Robb, who I like. Um, Anyway, go watch the movie Freak Show. It's really good. I really loved it. Um, Well, actually, I didn't love the movie. I loved him in the movie. I loved Alex Lothar in this movie. Um, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, the website is interviewwithanerd.com. Also, the uh, Twitter is interviewanerd. And you can follow me uh, uh, at Le Richard C. That's everywhere. Le Richard C, without the stumbling. That's everywhere. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And if you can find me on Facebook, hey, friend request me there, I suppose. Um, and that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Be kind to one another, stay lovely, and I will see you guys on the next one. Bye.